Chapter 5 The foyer was jam-packed, noisy, and heaving with a few dozen young people of both sexes. Stella could not see the hooded boy among them. Excuse me. Stella turned to see a tall, red-haired man in his thirties striding past the students toward her. His brow was creased, and it was the oddest thing. He was looking at her as if for help. May I ask you, ma'am? A couple of students giggled at the old-fashioned ma'am. Can you please tell me where the director, Mrs. Warren, would be found? She asked us to wait here. Stella said, I couldn't imagine, unless she's in her office. She was supposed to be back some time ago. Ah, Stella's odd feeling of shyness must have come from seeing new faces after months without much change in the population around her. For a moment, she experienced a strange and unexpected desire to escape from all these strangers. A moment later, nostalgia for her teaching career took over, and she remembered how much she loved kids. She had built a career around them. She missed their particular noise, and she missed them. And of course, from a sleuthing standpoint, the boy she had been chasing was likely to show up among his peers. A girl in a gaggle of teens nearby was saying to her friends, This place is a dump. A boy nodded, and it smells funny. I sure hope I don't get any old person who smells like pee. Stella smiled to herself. Without rancor, she thought, You know what, young fellow, me lad? It's a strange truth that everybody's house smells funny when it's not your own. Even the houses that smell like cats or hyacinths or pee or diapers. And Fairmount Manor may be a dump, but it's pretty clean, thanks to Ollie and his trolley of mops and buckets. And she did, thank heaven, that she didn't smell like pee. The first girl raised her head. Can we eat our lunch now, please? Oh, come on, Hetty. The boy nearby swatted her. Where's my old guy, anyway? Let's get this show on the road. Somebody blew a raspberry, and the noise in the foyer rose. Stella felt the tension of the career educator who senses the last chance for order approaching like the final off-ramp from a dead-end highway. The student's teacher must have felt it too. In a quiet voice that showed he knew his business, he said, Everybody sit down. And they did. Stella nodded in appreciation. She had long held that teaching was as subtle and pleasantly demanding in its way as brain surgery with the added attraction that your inevitable few failures didn't die. So involved was she with admiring the teacher and his skills of keeping order that she almost missed seeing the boy in the hoodie enter the foyer. He insinuated himself into a cluster of students on the far side of the room. He was not the only student hiding in a hoodie, but this lad held himself differently, 
from the young people around him. Each of the others, whether their attitudes were cranky, amused, or dragged down with world-weary fatigue, he looked out of place, a bit doubtful. Unsure of themselves, where they were going, or the location of the nearest washroom. But this boy was different. He didn't fidget, nor did he look around to get his bearings. He appeared to feel comfortably at home. That didn't mean he looked happy. It was the rare teenager who learned to school his resting expression into pleasant lines. But the shoulders inside his hoodie jacket appeared relaxed and incurious, as though he had been here before. She leaned a little and peered at his jacket. She couldn't see Thelma's underwear, but there was a bulge in the pocket that told her he still had them. She put up her hand. Uh, yes, Mrs... And the teacher trailed off. Mrs. Ryman. Stella wondered what would happen if she said, One of your students has a pair of Thelma Hughes red and turquoise underwear in his pocket. The teacher said, We're waiting to meet our elder partners. I guess you're going to be one of them. Thanks for showing up to help. You're most welcome. Stella could not remember anything about an elder partners program. Perhaps it had been mentioned in the activities hall, where, on principle, she never stepped foot. Her eye darted across to the boy in the hoodie. She seized her opportunity. With aplomb, she said, I suppose we elder partners are encouraged to choose our own teenaged partners? Uh, no, actually, I have a list. To Stella's chagrin, the teacher raised his clipboard. At a sudden rise in the noise level, he turned to a couple of students who were roughhousing. What did I tell you guys? Stella left her spot. She had to pass the two roughhousers, who stepped apart to let her through, but now she was stationed closer to the boy in the hoodie. Mrs. Ryman, I've just about given up on the director showing up, the teacher said. We're late already to meet up with the rest of the elder partners. Would you be willing to... She peered at the back of that hooded head. Was she certain it was the same boy? Direct the group to the meeting area. She was. His hoodie opened a little as he squatted down behind two other teenagers. He'd been pursued, and now he was caught. He must be asking himself what she was going to do about it. In the activities hall? Stella, who was so geographically challenged that she could rarely, rarely find her own room 34 in Daffodil Corridor, hadn't an idea in the world where the hated activities hall was located. But she said, Certainly, I'll be happy to lead you and your students there. It brings back old times. I was a teacher myself, as it happened. Lead on, then, Mrs. Ryman. The teacher tucked his clipboard under his elbow. The students began clambering to their feet. Stella looked down at the lad in the hoodie. She offered her hand. Let me help you. She was surprised when he took her hand and stood up. 
less so when he pulled himself free to skulk away to the rear of the group. Because she was their guide, she was compelled to move up to the front. She smiled at the red-haired teacher and his students. I have no idea where I'm going to lead you, but that boy is mine. Chapter 6 When you conduct a group of people somewhere they have never been before, you really have two options. Either you can lead them straight to their destination, or take a more roundabout way and parade them past scenic points of interest. However, after three months at Fairmount Manor, Stella still didn't have a clue where, within the meandering corridors, she might find the activities hall, and Fairmount boasted no scenic points of interest. Therefore, she took the third option. In gradual steps, utilizing the taller students to conceal her rearward progress from the teacher, Stella dropped from the front of the group toward the rear. She was confident that the group would carry on along the corridor without her, at least until a turning. The students at the front of the line were carrying the rest along nicely. Meanwhile, Stella made her way to the back of the line next to the boy with the hoodie. She cast him several sidelong glances which he did not return. In fact, he acted as if she were not there at all, at least no more than his shadow was with him, matching him pace for pace. Stella recognized the double doors to the dining room ahead. Up at the front of the line, the red-headed teacher took the lead. As they reached the dining room doors, a gust of warm air made itself felt even at the back of the line. A girl tipped up her nose and sniffed. What's that awful smell? Broccoli? Another guest. No way that's broccoli, the first girl said. It's green beans cooked until they're dead. No, it's boiled up garbage. It's lunch, Stella said. Young people were so intense about every issue. That was why you couldn't help but like them. She turned to the hooded boy and said, I've noticed you seem to know these corridors quite well. He raised the smallest possible number of shoulders necessary to shrug. One. He quickened his pace slightly. Stella sped up too. When dealing with young people, it was best to start from a platform of neutrality to manners. Stella said, What's your name? He shrugged the same shoulder. Stella abandoned neutrality. You're named Shrug? How interesting, because I have a grandson by that name. She was about to take hold of the boy by the back of his jacket and make him stop and look at her. But just then, Theo Longborn attached himself to the back of the chattering group. Theo raised his eyebrows, and Stella answered his unspoken question. It's a school visit, she said. They've come to associate with the elderly. Ah, Theo answered. Is this the way to the activities hall? she asked. I told their teacher we are, but I never really know. 
Right on target, Theo murmured. The three walked on. Stella was never sure whether she loved the way Theo only spoke when he had something needing saying, or whether she accepted his complete lack of small talk only because of his otherwise gentlemanly manner. It was difficult not to like a man with kind eyes and excellent hair, and she was not the only one among the female residents to feel that way. Theo, I'd like you to meet young Shrug. Shrug, this is Mr. Longbourn. Or isn't your title Professor? Theo bit his lip. I'm Theo. The boy mumbled something that might have been Wedge or Sedge. No, Edge. But the boy had actually opened his mouth and spoken. To Theo, not to her. Perhaps she had lost her touch with the young after all. The group came to a staccato halt. Stella saw the activities hall door ahead. Home of healthy movement. Learn to paint. And bridge mixing. Sheer activities hell. Stella made up her mind. I'm going to be your elder partner, Edge. Why? Edge asked. You know why, she said. Still deep in his hoodie, Edge said, I've already got a partner. Who? Him. Edge jerked his head at Theo. Theo made a wry face at Stella and followed Edge's sloping walk into the activity hall.